0: I mean, are you expecting that, I assume, in this primary? And why are those numbers so high historically in New Hampshire?
1: New Hampshire are professional voters. That's what we do. We take our voting seriously. (laughs) We take our election seriously. We take our politics seriously. Um, A lot of it stems from things such as uh, a dynamic where we have 400 state reps. So for the most part, everybody knows a politician right out of the gate. So that that definitely helps. To put this in perspective, 330,000 people voting in the Republican primary. There will be other people voting in the Democratic primary right. as well. But in the Republican primary, 330,000 people voting out of what the Secretary of State on their website lists is 873,000 votes. Wow. So 330,000 out of 873,000 is an enormous amount for a Republican primary, the largest number we've we had before. It was in 2016 when we had 285,000 uh, people voting.
0: Americans are capable of achieving extraordinary things when they have the freedom and opportunity to do so. This is American Potential, and here's your host, Jeff Crank. Hey, welcome to American Potential. Thanks for joining us. What an exciting time for America, picking its its leaders. And for those people who follow politics, this is like the best time of the year. Normally, you know, it depends on who the incumbent is. You know, sometimes the horse race is on the Democrat side. Sometimes it's on the Republican side. This time around, it's on the Republican side. The big uh, focus is on, of course, was on the Iowa caucus, and now turning to the New Hampshire primary, the first primary in the nation, and then on to South Carolina, and 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 on to Super Tuesday. So it's just an exciting time. But as this all heats up, and Americans are starting to decide who they think would be best to lead their country. Some states get to cast their votes earlier than others. As the Iowa caucus wrapped up, all eyes now turn towards New Hampshire for the first in the nation primary. And we did an episode back in the fall to talk about what it was like in New Hampshire at that time. Now, Americans for Prosperity New Hampshire State Director Greg Moore, who's a good friend, talked on a previous episode that some Granite staters We're in the kind of kicking the tire phase to see which candidate they may vote for. He also made the comment that the joke around New Hampshire was the closer you get to the primary, you can't swing a dead cat without taking out two or three presidential candidates. So with the primary less than a few days away, what's it like in New Hampshire? I want to welcome Greg Moore back to the show to talk about what Granite Staters are seeing and hearing. Greg, thanks for being with us. Yeah, so, I mean, we were just talking. You've been doing this political stuff for 30 years now, it sounds like. You've been around doing this. This is how many primaries have you been through? Eight New Hampshire primaries. Um, And I just can't wait to get to some of the history of it. And, you know, we talked about the last time, the and, and we'll start with that. I'm not going to give the answer. We're going to let our listeners think about it for a minute. But the last time one single presidential candidate, the same candidate won the Iowa caucus and New Hampshire primary, it's been a while. So think about that for a minute, listeners and, and viewers. And we're going to get back to that with Greg in just a second. But listen, Greg, we're just a couple of days away from the first in the nation primary. What's your thought? How are Granite Staters feeling about uh, this primary
1: well uh as I mentioned there's a tire kicking phase uh The first is a get to know you phase and there 's a tire kicking phase, and then there's the pe- people are starting to sort things out right now we 're entering into the the final phase, which is the fatigue <laughs> where <laughs> all the mail all the t v all the digital ads uh all the phone calls all the door knocks are starting to get uh people t- to a point where they're they 're ready for this to happen and the thing is about New Hampshire, I think that people don't realize what separates New Hampshire from every other primary in, in the country. And I know that a lot of people say, well, if, you know, in my state, things are different. And quite often they're wrong. It, politics tends to be pretty consistent along most right. in most places. But the thing that separates the New Hampshire primary is the breadth of the participation. Uh, just to put it in perspective, for those states that separate their state primary from their, their presidential primary... Uh, most of those states will see uh, f- about fifty percent more people will vote in a presidential primary than a, in a state primary. In New Hampshire, in New Hampshire, uh, we see a, that number close to one hundred and thirty to one hundred and forty percent greater participation. So everybody comes out. Everybody comes out. And what what that means is, it's not just the political junkies. It's not just the people who live and breathe politics. It's just average people who just don't don't follow po- politics necessarily as closely as as other people. They probably aren't watching political debates. They're probably not not uh, necessarily watching Fox News or any other news channel uh, constantly. They're just going out living their lives, but they do want to vote and they do want to participate. And when you start bringing those folks in, uh, uh you have to really meet them where they are, and that's where having a, 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 a critical grassroots infrastructure is so important in a state like New Hampshire, so you can actually get to those people, have those conversations, and it's for that reason, because you've pulled people in who are less and less and less engaged politically. It's the reason why New Hampshire tends to break late. And the candidate w- with momentum uh, is often the candidate that does well in New Hampshire, just because uh, the people who aren't necessarily all that engaged uh, are paying attention a whole lot right at the very end. They're trying to figure it out. And right now is, is a really critical time. But I got to tell you what, the week between Iowa and New Hampshire, I, call, I I like to tell people it is a Super Bowl of American politics. It really is. <laughs> the right. The weight of the political world for one week lands in a state of 1.4 million people. We 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 often s- suggest that there might be as many media in New Hampshire as there are as there are residents. Uh, and you cannot walk up and down Elm Street, which is a main street in, in Manchester, the largest city, without bumping into two or three uh, film crews trying to interview you. Uh, if, if, if you have a couple witty lines, you could probably be on, on, uh, television in numerous countries across, uh, across the world. And they all come here for the New Hampshire primary. The media love this state. The media love coming here. Um, they don't love, they don't love Iowa when, when it's apparently minus 20 degrees outside. But, but <laughs> New Hampshire, New Hampshire, they, 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 to a person, you talk to the media, they love covering it. They love, uh, but, the New Hampshire citizens, just how curious they are, just how 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 much they know, and uh, and I and I think it really speaks well for the state uh, that we embrace our role so so much and and have so many people participate. I know that the the Democratic Party, the DNC, is trying to rip New Hampshire off the calendar, but but th- they're they're missing the fact they're missing the fact that we are very very good at identifying good candidates who can go on to become great candidates in a gen- in a general election. So you, you talk about, you know, all the media attention that that goes
0: on with this, and uh, it, it's certainly true. This cycle, I, I want to compare this cycle a little bit to previous cycles because you're so early in the process, right? You know, a lot of states, when by the time they have a primary, the race is either pretty close to over. There's like one or two candidates, a so one or two person candidate race, things like that. Uh, in New Hampshire, normally that's not the case, right? Sometimes you've got seven or eight, you know, Republican candidates or seven or eight Democrat candidates that are still viable and trying to get that nomination. States later in the process are usually down to one or two. This year, it seems though that it is down to a couple of viable candidates for the Republican nomination. I mean, has it been? A, there's, is there a different feel to it
1: this time around than there was before? Yeah. T- yes, traditionally Jeff, uh, the role of Iowa is to whittle a field down to three and then the role of New Hampshire becomes to whittle a field down to the final two contenders. That's right. historically the, h- how it's worked out. But y- you're right. Uh, former President Trump and Ambassador Haley ha- are certainly on the rise. Uh, they are head and shoulders head and shoulders ahead of the other candidates uh, in terms of in terms of like their polling numbers and the amount of, te- of attention they're getting the attendees at their events things like that and you can feel that on the ground that's one thing about New Hampshire you really can feel that momentum on the ground and uh and we haven't really had something where where it has been uh, a choice between two candidates in a major uh primary probably since probably since uh i would say the democratic primary in 2008 where obama and and clinton really sort of separated themselves uh pretty early on and uh, and and I think that those two fundamentally uh had a two person race in New Hampshire but it's uncommon highly uncommon to to see that usually you're right we we usually have a few more people poking around
0: yeah and I mean do you see that on the ground do you feel like it it seems like uh former president Trump and ambassador Haley kind of are they have the the mojo behind them their camps and the others are kind of also rands or what are you seeing?
1: Yeah. I, when you go, when you attend the events and, uh, and look, we all know that the former president Trump has massive events. Um, and, and it's, it, it's kind of like the grateful dead is coming through town. Uh, <laughs> right now it's also important to understand. And I know, and I know the media like to point this out is the fact that when, when former president Trump has an event, a lot of those people are not from New Hampshire. <laughs> so you'll have people, Coming from as far away as New York, New Jersey, even Pennsylvania, which is amazing that people would would make that kind of a, of travel. Right. Uh, so so uh, he certainly has huge events, but Ambassador Haley has been having absolutely packed events uh, of late as well. Uh, places where she'll go to the same venue that some of the other candidates have gone and get and get some multiple of, of the number of people attending. There was one event that was being held at a, a, a an event in Concord, New Hampshire, which is our capital. And, uh, and, and got Florida governor, Ron DeSantis had probably about 50 people there and then, and then ambassador Haley showed up at the same venue and had 500. Hmm. So, uh, you, you can feel that on the ground and you can see which way, which way these races are breaking. So, you know, it really does, really does, uh, give you a, a chance to, and the thing about New Hampshire is it's so geographically small. That you can get to all all the parts of the of of the state to, to go see all the candidates in one day if you wanted to, right? And and your sense right now is that those are the two
0: candidates it's breaking for uh, both former President Trump and Nikki Haley, and th- those are the top candidates in New Hampshire. Is that I mean that's generally your sense, yep.
1: right? Right. That's that's my feeling.
0: Okay. How about uh, you talked about the mail, like the, you're in the fatigue stage, which uh, I think most voters can understand. Right. Uh, and they get there at some point. I'm sure it's extra, uh, extra fatigue when it comes to New Hampshire. But like you talked about, everybody's tired of getting the mail and the TV. Explain to folks what that means. What, how many mail pieces do you get? Like you're so involved. I'm sure you're on every list that's, that's possible. Are you being targeted both by candidates? and outside super packs and everybody else as well. And how many mail pieces do you get? How many commercials do you see a day?
1: So so as far as the mail, um, a light day would be three pieces of mail. Uh, the high watermark so far, uh, which was last Thursday, Thursday I think, maybe, uh, was seven pieces of mail in the mailbox. Wow. A and day? So that's every day. <laughs> it, it, the, the, the print shops in New Hampshire are thriving. Uh, <laughs> So that's that's a good sign. It's helping the local economy. And, this you know, is a way.
0: This is a way to fix the the failed Biden economy is to, well, to do this and have the everybody to print goes to work for print shops, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. But unfortunately, sometimes printing printing uh, printing glossy mailers and printing dollars is can have some of the same bad consequences. But <laughs> uh, but but nonetheless, nonetheless, uh, if, if you if you are in New Hampshire and uh, you just open up your, your YouTube. You can't avoid the, the, the YouTube pre-roll ads. You can't avoid if you put on the, the, the television and you turn on the, the news and uh, the, the commercial breaks are exclusively presidential stuff. I mean, I feel bad for a- anyone who's trying to like sell a car or, or, <laughs> or a restaurant that <laughs> wants to tell people to come and visit because there's, there's, the prices are just astronomical. I think they'll all just wait until after next Tuesday and, and wait for the price to come back down to something more right. reasonable. Right. But it is it is intense. And, it, and it's uh, it, it's like a wall that hits you.
0: Yeah, that's that's it's got to be an amazing feeling. And again, I think most people don't understand that who live in in other states across uh, the country. So let's answer the question for folks. So when is the last time that the same person in the Republican uh, Republican presidential candidate won
1: both Iowa and New Hampshire? Yeah, the last time when a a i i i will say there was, there's been a competitive Republican primary. I, I, I say competitive. I mean, I technically, I suppose you could look at 1992 with Pat Buchanan's run against then incumbent George H.W. Bush. Uh, but, but I, I say competitive Republican primary. The last time was actually 1976 when Gerald Ford, uh, won both Iowa and New Hampshire against Ronald Reagan. Wow. That, that's really amazing. I mean,
0: uh, it doesn't happen very often. And what I mean, why do you think that is? Well, let's talk a little bit about the difference between, you know, voters in Iowa and or voters in New Hampshire. Right. Because you've got a primary and caucus goers in Iowa. I mean, is is that difference between caucus goers in Iowa and voters in New Hampshire? Is it distinct enough that that's why we don't have this happen very often?
1: Well, Jeff, as I pointed out when we were on your show earlier this year with uh, Drew Klein from yeah. from Iowa and Candace Carroll from South Carolina, right. Iowa picks corn, New Hampshire picks presidents, uh, but but there's this, this, um, there's a rationale behind that. And for, for, uh, for your for your listeners, I would I would say say just trying to visualize this: Iowa is a state of 3.2 million people, and they expect they get about 150,000 people participate in caucuses and new hampshire is a state of 1.4 so so less than half the size of, yeah. of iowa and we're anticipating that, that there will be 330,000 people voting in the new hampshire primary so less than half the size but more than twice as many voters and uh-huh. and what that does is it brings in a whole bunch of people uh, a whole bunch of people into the process but it what it really does is it, is it shows people who, it gives a, gives a much better reflection of who could win a general election because, because our primaries in New in, in Hampshire are open, meaning the people who are independents, they can go and they can take a Republican ballot and vote in that day. And then, and then now technically while they're voting, they are a registered Republican, but then on the way out the door, they can re-register back as, as, uh, independent again. And so. And, and, and so, uh, you, you, in order to be effective in Hampshire, you have to have a, a fairly broad appeal. You need to be able to create a message that's appealing and, uh, that speaks to more than just a niche group and not just the hardcore activists, because that's a lot of the people who are participating in Iowa. Mm-hmm. So, so I think that's a, that's a really positive thing. And it's a positive sign for someone's ability over the long term to, to, uh, run a, put together a good campaign for what is, New Hampshire is a purple state. We're our state that is in play uh, in the general election. So uh, your ability to create a create something that's that's uh, that's durable and create a having a message that appeals broadly, I think, is something that's that often is very different than what we might see in Iowa. Right
0: now, New Hampshire has high voter turnout, too. Right. Like the percentage of voters obviously is, is pretty high. The turnout I mean, are you expecting that, I assume, in this primary? And why are those numbers so high historically in New Hampshire?
1: New Hampshire are professional voters. That, that's what we do. We take our voting seriously. <laughs> we take our election seriously. We take our politics seriously. Um, a lot of it stems for, from things such as uh, a dynamic where we have 400 state reps. So for the most part, everybody knows a politician right out of the gate. So that that definitely helps. Um but but we do take voting seriously. And to put this in perspective, 330,000 people voting in the Republican primary. There will be other people voting in the Democratic primary right. as well. But in the Republican primary, 330,000 people voting out of what the Secretary of State on their website lists is 873,000 voters. Wow. So 330,000 out of 873,000 is an enormous amount for a Republican primary. So I I, it, I tell people this all the time. I know that we've worked uh, as an organization to try to get more people and bring them in, uh, but, but our our results have been harder here because people are already pretty engaged and already want to participate in these in these uh, polls. But that three hundred thirty thousand number would still be a, would still be a significant increase over over an, a record breaking number. The largest number we we had before was in two thousand sixteen when we had two hundred eighty five uh, thousand people voting, wow. but but keep in mind that it was a competitive primary on, on either side so those mm-hmm. those true swing voters could some broke democrat and some broke republican without a competitive uh democratic primary in fact joe biden's not even on the ballot in new hampshire uh you know without that that competitive primary over there we expect a, a, some more of those swing voters to pull into the republican primary as well
0: mhm yeah how about endorsements? Do endorsements matter in New Hampshire? I know Iowa, you know, the, a lot of uh, coalitions and endorsements from faith leaders and and the governor and things like that do matter. But is that the case in New
1: Hampshire? Well, it, it depends on what what, you're, what is coming along with the endorsement. Right. Uh, so, for example, here in New Hampshire, uh, Governor Sununu has endorsed Nikki Haley. Okay. But he didn't just... Put out a press release he's out campaigning with her every day uh he's out he's out acting as a surrogate on her behalf going on doing national media coverage uh he's out there working every day and, he, and governor sununu is very popular here in new hampshire and so his his endorsement plus the work he's putting in behind it make a huge difference um obviously the other major endorsement that nikki haley received was the endorsement of americans for prosperity Ac- action our sister organization um and, and that definitely helps helped her quite a bit as well uh, because she, her campaign was late in pulling together a, a staff here in New Hampshire and having a grassroots organization that's on the ground and ready to go uh, made a huge difference – is making a huge difference for her too. Yeah. So those – it sounds like those two things are kind of uh, maybe
0: Nikki Haley's advantage in New Hampshire. I, I assume Trump has some advantages. He's the former president of the United States. He has a record uh, that he can that he can run on and point to as well. I mean, what are his advantages as he goes into this New Hampshire primary?
1: Well, he's run. He's run twice in New Hampshire before. Right. So he's built a list of uh, a list of supporters. He's built a list of of everything. Remind
0: remind me real quick what happened in 2016 with with uh, in, in that race in New Hampshire
1: right so coming out of 2016 as some may recall uh senator ted cruz had won iowa right uh and so and so people were questioning uh whether trump's actually had the momentum and or if cruz was going to put something together and just start rolling and then uh here in new hampshire uh donald trump just just really did a great job um uh, it didn't it didn't hurt that his campaign manager Was a, is a New Hampshire resident and uh, was a former New Hampshire director, a state director for AFP Mm -hmm. uh, and Corey Lewandowski. (laughs) Right. So that was one big advantage he had. Uh, but, but yeah, no, now, now, and he got 35% here to John Kasich, 17. Uh, so John uh, Kasich, John Kasich came in second place in New Hampshire. Yes. Yes. Where was Uh, I? I I can't remember. (laughs) He was, but, but to be fair, Kasich had an all-in strategy for New Hampshire. So he was all-in and he got the endorsement of, um, of John E. Sununu, the former uh, congressman and senator, uh, uh, who was really working hard for him. The Sununu name goes a long way in New Hampshire. And so, uh, that definitely, that definitely helped, uh, Kasich in, in that, in that run. And then you had, then you had Ted Cruz and, and, uh, Jeb Bush, Marco Rubio, he's getting like, Ten or ten or twelve points. So it was. It was just a case where there were. To your earlier point, there were a lot of people in the race, and they were all slicing and dicing each other up, in terms of of uh, trying to w- trying to win this state. Uh, but but to your earlier question, I think that the former uh, President Trump has all those lists of supporters. He has that infrastructure that is already in place that makes makes life so much easier when you're when you're trying to run for a second time because you're not starting from scratch.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. So
1: advantages both ways, but you
0: kind of see this as a two person race at this point, uh, particularly in, in New Hampshire as it goes. Now, now that the Iowa caucus is over, do Granite staters, do they have a greater chance of running into a presidential candidate or somebody from the national media? Which one do they have a better chance
1: of of you, you, running you into? You can't avoid the national media. Right. Um, it, it, it's funny. I, I, I sit down with my, my, my comms person and we, and they go through, all the interview requests that I'm getting right now, and you just have to—it's it's basically just triage. Right. <laughs> we can't do—we we physically cannot do all the interviews that that uh, that we're we're getting requested of us, uh, particularly the international media. Just, and we're just saying, look, that's where we draw the line. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> much right. as I love to much as I love the people of Japan, <laughs> I, right? I can't I can't spend all of my day talking to them. There are some. There's still some things we have to sure. do to to, to to try to stay engaged here for the last few days.
0: But you still have plenty of time to join us here on American Potential, and we appreciate that, my friend. I, I do. Um, how many people from the media, t- national media, today have you run into? What time is it today or right now? It's uh, what? It's it's uh, uh, one four two forty-eight, two o'clock, just almost two, two o'clock. o'clock. How many In, uh, national media have you run into today?:
1: Well, I started the day off with a, an interview with uh, CBS News. <laughs> okay. um, I'll be I, I had a conversation with a, a fellow from The messenger talked to somebody from The, the Washington Post uh, have interview requests lined up for um, for um, USA today as well as uh, as well as that uh, 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 was it national Public Radio yeah and then wow. and then like i said there's there's a whole host of other interview requests that I'm just getting, and I' just like I'll, if i can get if I can get to them, I will like, if I can't, I can't
0: so the big bet the over under what what i mean do you think you'll talk to more national media today or get more mail pieces
1: today <laughs> the, the, the national media is definitely going to going win this battle
0: <laughs> that's pretty incredible um has there been anything in this? presidential primary season that, I mean, you've been through so many of these, has there been anything in this se- presidential primary season that sort of surprised you?
1: I think, I think that, that, um, one, first of all, having gone through a bunch of these, nothing surprises me, but I think the thing that, that caught my attention was just, um, the, the, the inability for, for, uh, governor DeSantis's campaign to really get a lot of traction. I would have thought that his um, style and messaging would have played a lot better in New Hampshire. Um, and he started out on a high, uh, but it's just, it's just, his numbers have been declining all throughout the, uh, the entire year. So it's, uh, I I would have, I would have thought that he would have been a more natural, uh, pick to do better than he's doing.
0: Yeah. So that surprised you. And maybe that surprised everybody across the country was just sort of governor DeSantis, you know, out the gate seemed like the person to challenge, uh, Donald Trump, right? For this nomination. And it became apparent at some point, somewhere through the process that Nikki Haley was, you know, the candidate that had a better chance, uh, at, at challenging Donald Trump.
1: It, yeah, that's, that's definitely true. Uh, I think that I do think that, um, I think that, that the big, a big tactical error was just not showing up. Uh, Nikki Haley has spent more time in New Hampshire than any other candidate. And New Hampshire citizens reward those people who give us that type of attention. And alternately, we punish candidates who don't give us that type of attention. And Governor DeSantis really put an emphasis on visiting all 99 counties in Iowa, which, mm-hmm. listen, it works for Chuck Grassley. So, but uh, <laughs> but... So for example there was a two month period where he, he didn't did not come to the state of New Hampshire. And you can't you can't really do that to New Hampshire. New Hampshire um I to tell you it's I, I tell people all the time it's like the 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 spurn girlfriend, right? It's <laughs> we we demand that level of attention and uh and and I and I think that the people who give it to us are rewarded. Yeah. So tell me what
0: if, what do people in the state usually do the day after the primaries over?
1: Well, most people just go to work <laughs> <It's> <laughs> and say, just, Get
0: out of here! I can finally find a parking space.
1: <laughs> it, yeah, I mean, particularly in, in, in Manchester, which is like the epicenter of, of a lot of the activity. Sure, um, it, people are just you know, they're glad that the circus has left town for four more years. And but, but you know, a lot, of, but we do like having a circus. We just right when right it gets to the very end, people start to get a little bit. Okay. Okay. I'm ready for this to, to be uh, put in a box in the shelf for four years. Sure.
0: Yeah. Do other people, so is this just the
1: presidential primary? There's no other yes. primaries going on or? Yes. No, we, all. The only thing that's on the ballot, uh, say, say for two parts of the state way up north, which are having uh, special elections to fill some vacancies and some, some seats. Other than that, the only thing on the ballot is the presidency.
0: Yeah. So when know, do you have, when do you have your regular primary?
1: Our regular primary is in September. So okay. uh, <laughs> very late, <laughs> very late. So, you know, first, first primary in a presidential, one of the last ones in, in, in at the state level. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, there are some effort. there've been some efforts to move that primary up, but, but yeah, so it's not like there's anything else that's driving interest or turnout. It's just people being interested in, in uh, who, who our next president yeah. could be. Right. Um, Tell
0: folks, too, what I find interesting in New Hampshire is how many state legislators you have. This is fascinating. And if people don't know, this is going to fascinate them because, you know, most state legislatures like I live in the state of Colorado. We have a 100 total right between the House and the Senate. We have 100 state legislators. Tell folks how many members of the legislature there are in New Hampshire.
1: So in New Hampshire. We have 400 members of, of our House of Representatives and 24 members of the State Senate. Uh, the 400, the 400, um, member House is the second largest legislative body in the country, only behind the, the U.S. House of Representatives. Uh, and unlike the U.S. House of Representatives, we only pay them $100 a year. <laughs> so people <laughs> say, how come you guys don't have term limits in New Hampshire? To which, to which we say, we pay them 100 bucks a year they're going to leave after a term or two anyway. Um, and, and by and large, they do after, okay, one or two terms, that's it, I'm done. Uh, because we, people treat it like it's it's a volunteer activity. And what's really incredible is, number one, the amount of diversity you, you have in the House of Representatives. I don't care what bill you have. Somebody in the House is a subject matter expert on it because sure. they, they they work in that space and, and they just happen to understand that issue uh, better than anyone else. And so, and so that's one of the one of the beauties of, of having a body that big. And it, I, I, you look at a lot of states and and even neighbors of ours, and it's largely largely lawyers. It's just a bunch of lawyers who, who, who are getting together, whereas in, in New Hampshire, there are very few lawyers. In fact, one of the challenges we had in the Judiciary Committee in the House a few years ago was was that there were they, we didn't have enough lawyers to stock the Judiciary Committee. Uh, I mean, that's, members, that's members. usually not
0: a bad problem to have. <laughs> members too few who, lawyers. Who are lawyers. Yes.
1: <laughs> uh, well, because, because, you know, you're, you are in the process of actually writing law. So right. it, it does, it does help to, to have sure. somebody who understands, has yeah. a deep understanding of, of how the law works. Right. Uh, but, but fundamentally, fundamentally, uh, you look at, you look at the House and it's, and it's incredibly representative. Um, everybody, for the most part, in New Hampshire knows a state rep. And if anybody has a problem, they can go to their state rep and say, can you help me out here? Whereas yeah. if, if you're a state the size of Colorado and you ha- have a hundred legislators, probably most people don't know a state, a state legislator. They don't, they just don't know the state legislator. So if, if they had a problem, where would they go to try to, try to get help? And, uh, and I, and I can tell you that New Hampshire legislators are incredibly conscientious folks. They, they really are, they really are people who go above and beyond for, for what they get. It's they 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 look at it more as a, a volunteer service than they than they do uh, a job. And uh, and and I think that that as a state, uh, we've done incredibly well by having that process and not having a professional class of legislators.
0: Right. Well, a 100 bucks a year is that's something there. I mean, that's uh, I wonder what the next closest legislature is that that has that low of a of pay for their legislators. you know?
1: I don't, but I will st- I will tell people that people wonder why is that? Well, it's actually in our constitution. There was actually okay. a scandal in the, a scandal in the early 19th century uh with um with um uh, railroad industries uh basically bribing legislators. Okay? And uh they put the provision in setting the salary at $100 a year and also putting saying you can't take outside any outside income for 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 your work. Well, inflation, uh, and we, as we all know, thanks to Bidenomics, we got we got a lot more of that. But the yeah, inflation right. has has taken a toll, and a hundred dollars, a hundred dollars in, uh, in two thousand twenty four ain't, ain't what it was in the eighteen twenties. <laughs>
0: no, it's not. Thanks to Joe Biden. <laughs> we, Absolutely. He can't be blamed for all of that, but he can be blamed for the last uh, three and a half years for sure. Yeah,
1: that's amazing. What do you plan on doing the day after the primary, my friend? <laughs> checking the, checking to the see uh, the legislative calendar to see if I have to, have to go testify on a bill up in Concord. I mean, I'm not joking about that. You know, the legislative session has already started and, wow. uh, time and tide waits for no man, as they say. So, uh, if the train the trains going, you better get on it. Yeah. No kidding. Well,
0: great, Greg, thanks for taking the time out. I mean, I know you're very busy. You talked about all the national media that's reaching out to you and I just appreciate your friendship and you willing to come on and talk to us about it. And you know, a few more days to survive of this primary, and then it's kind of back to life as normal, hopefully, for you.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, we love it. Uh, as a political junkie, I think it's great. I, I think it's great that all the people who are coming into our state to come in and enjoy it with us uh, and, and to participate in the process. Uh, but, but yeah, no, once, once, once it's done, I'll, I'll be okay with not having it around anymore.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's the case. All right, Greg, thanks for being with us. Thanks, Jeff. You bet. All right. Listen. Thanks for thanks for joining us. And what what a great opportunity to talk with Greg and and the the incredible history of the New Hampshire primary, all playing out next week, right before our very eyes. And I hope that was a great look at the history of it, and kind of a look at what what someone from New Hampshire gets to go through when they when they go through these primaries and see all the people can't find a parking spot, all those things. Uh, Thanks for being with us. Thank you for listening to American Potential. You may listen to more stories from Americans working every day to expand freedom and opportunity in their communities by visiting AmericanPotential.com.